Hello, and welcome to another episode of Simon Says Let's Talk Business. This is Al Simon, your host, with Sandler Training, and excited to be on Business Radio X today and have three terrific guests. Welcome, y'all. Welcome, Al. How are you? How are you doing? Thanks for having us. Yeah, well, you're welcome. I'm glad to have you. This is Jennifer Fennell with us. Fennell. How do you always say Fennell? What do we do that? It's Fennell. It is. Fennell. I always say Fennell. I don't know why. Jennifer Fennell with uh, Jackson EMC. Got Bill McDermott with McDermott Financial Solutions. Great to be here, Al. Thanks. Good. And Greg Burkhalter, the LinkedIn guy. Always a pleasure, Al. Thanks for the invite. Am I supposed to do air quotes when I say the LinkedIn guy? Uh, yeah, you, okay. can you do air quotes? On radio? <laughs> it's really hard, okay? I'm not sure how we do that. Uh, we're going to talk business today. We're going to have fun doing it. And we've got three different kinds of businesses represented. It's going to be awesome. And so, Jennifer, let's start with you. Excellent. Right. Jennifer Fennell with Jackson EMC and a client of ours. And uh, so it's just great to work with your team. It's awesome. Thank you so much. We enjoy our time with you, and yeah. I think that you've made our team better over the course of time. And yeah. I can see how everybody's growing into their roles, and we just really appreciate the work that you've put in with our team and hope that uh, we continue to work well with you and keep growing. It would be great if we could. I, I love working with you all, and, and I appreciate the kind words. Very nice. So you're a commercial and industrial marketing representative with Jackson. And I always say EMC. Do you ever say electric Market. Electric membership, membership corporation. corporation. Sometimes yeah. I do when when they were the term EMC maybe isn't familiar with all of our all of our listeners today or with everybody out in the community. Yeah. An electric membership corporation or a cooperative is yeah. where that's derived from. Okay, and so I think probably a lot of our listeners do not know what an EMC is. So why don't you start there and then tell us some background about Jackson EMC, which sure. is a great story. Oh, thank you. So so an electric membership corporation or cooperative uh, was born out of the Rural Electrification Administration back in the in the 20s and 30s when rural parts of America didn't have electricity. And President Roosevelt came in and uh, allowed federal funding at low interest rates for communities that wanted to band together to electrify their the people that live there. And that's where the start for Jackson came. So we're headquartered outside of Atlanta in uh, Jefferson, Georgia. And we started out just like all the other the other rural EMCs uh, with a membership based. You paid $5 to become a member of Jackson EMC. And as we grew, we ran lines further and further and further. And back when we first started almost, uh, um, almost 80 years ago, Gwinnett County itself was very rural. Rural, rural yeah. And Jackson EMC has grown along with Gwinnett and the other counties that we served. Uh, real estate agents say location, 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 and that's what's led Jackson to be the largest EMC in the state of Georgia and the second largest in the country. And we've wow. benefited from the growth of the communities that we serve, and we we love where we are. We're uh, we love the community action that we have here, and we provide low-cost, reliable electric service to our members every single day. And it's still $5 to be a member. It is, is still right? $5 to be a member, yes. That's amazing. 80 years later. 80 years later, we're still charging $5 to be a member. And, and all of our members um, in a cooperative, uh, it's a it's a democratic organization. So if you're a member, if you have a Jackson EMC meter, you, uh, you get voting rights to vote on for our board. You're a member of our organization. We have an annual meeting where you can come. And, uh, and experience dinner, and uh, we have a kids' carnival, and lots of information sessions. So it's, uh, it's definitely a, a community organization. Okay. And most people probably don't know, like I didn't know until I learned some of this stuff, that there actually are alternatives to getting your power from the big one in Georgia. That's true. Yes. That's true. There are actually 41 EMCs across the state of Georgia, and if you live in certain cities, you can get your power from a municipal association. So any of the cities that have a power company themselves, you might be able, you might actually get your power from a city. 
So why would someone choose a, a membership corporation, Jackson EMC in particular, over the normal? What, what people would con might consider the normal. So when we talk about choice in, in a utility provider, it's kind of an interesting uh, background there. So if you have a residence, your residence has an electric meter and, and whatever that meter's on that, on that house, that's who serves you. But okay. if you're a large user, uh, especially what we call uh, a large load user, we have a thing called customer choice. And that was developed in the early 70s. The, the Georgia Territorial Act actually divided up territories for utilities, but also created a, a part of the law where large load users can use, can actually have a one-time choice for their building. And we talk about a large load user that's a, a large manufacturing facility, maybe a school, uh, maybe some of the grocery stores that you shop at. Uh, those, those actually get a choice. And we talk about why you would make a choice of going with one provider or another. I think it all comes down to, to relationships. People like to do business with people that they, they trust. And when you build relationships with companies, you find that doing business over and over again makes sense for everyone. Um, we'd like to sit down and talk to our members about what they need. I don't like to tell anybody what they need or what they want. It's really how do we serve you where you are and what you need to the best of what, what's going to be for your business. And by doing that, we find out that there are a lot of intricacies about different businesses and what they want, what they need, and how they want to be served. And by meeting those needs, we find that those relationships continue to grow, and we're able to provide them with the most reliable, low-cost utility that, that they have chosen. Okay. And you mentioned also that members get a vote. Um, and, and I think also, didn't you tell me that, that um, each year the profits, and I'm using air quotes again, Greg, the right. profits go back, you, you, you actually allocate a lot of the profits back into the community, is right, that right? So to, that's the, absolutely to the members? Right. To the members. So that's yeah. part of being uh, an electric cooperative is that the profits that we make above and beyond our operating expenses go back to our membership. Mm -hmm. If you're a Jackson EMC member, you probably get a check in the mail every December. If you're a commercial industrial account, maybe we mail you a check. Maybe I show up and deliver it to you. So oh, we, have a, we have a couple of different ways of doing that. But we do. We return our profits back to our members every single year. And if anybody's ever been a member of a cooperative, I've lived all over the state and had a number of cooperatives, utilities. Uh, we get checks from different cooperatives over the course of time. So we do. We return those profits back to our membership. So we're not using that money for other projects. It's not going to investors. It's actually going to the people that live on our lines that we live and work in our communities and that we see every single day. And we're talking about a lot of money, right? Didn't I see a number like in the hundreds of millions? Yes. It, we've, uh, well, last year we returned $9 million, and over the course of time it's, it's uh, around $100 million. That's tremendous. So, okay, so you mentioned relationships and, and people uh, do business with people they trust, and, and, but, but they have to make this decision one time, like if they're building a new plant. That's right. It's one time. It's, it's forever. It's in perpetuity is what we okay. like to say. All right. So you and your team, uh, there's a lot of pressure on you to build that relationship quickly because once the decision is made, if it isn't for, for you, you can't ever get it back. That's very true. And yeah. so maybe there is a lot of pressure, but the reality is we have a process for that. And we try to really uh, focus on that process. And we mm. found that over time, it's, it's, we've tweaked it and worked on it. And the process works the way that we, we want it to. And we hope that the, the end user, the member, finds that that process also makes a lot of sense for them. And it starts with just an introduction meeting where we sit down and we talk about what do you need? What do you want? What does your building look like? What kind of service do you need? What have been some of your problems in the past? How did you resolve those? How would you like to see them resolved? And we've, what we do is we find a tailor-made way to serve their facility. And when you are building something for someone, 
you want to really make sure that you're focusing on their needs. Okay, so that's why you have this commercial marketing department, right? Because you that's need right. to be able to to sit down and have those kinds of conversations. Right, we do. We have a we have an entire department for commercial marketing that focuses strictly on a key accounts program and our it's generally uh, our large load users, but it's not always. We do uh, we actually talk to all of our commercial customers when they need something. Uh, so hey. across our, our entire service area. Um, but our, our process for gaining a new member can be very, very short or it can be very, very long. It depends on exactly how, what that company's needs is. I always tell people the interesting th- part about commercial marketing is everybody loves a ribbon cutting. So everybody loves a new yeah. load. Everybody loves uh, when we sign a new contract. But so much of our growth in business comes from the members we already have that are growing, just like so much of our um, economy growth comes from the, ex- the companies that are already in our community that grow and add new employees. Um, our businesses continue to grow, and we help them through that process, which can be uh, stressful. It can be challenging, and we try to provide support. We try to provide um, really a friend to walk through that process uh, yeah. from the utility side on how, how to make that a little easier for them. And what I've always been impressed about with you and your team is that, you know, there's a storm or there's a major uh, problem out there. I mean, you're on top of it. You, I mean, like real time on top of it. Right? We've, we've stopped classes. <laughs> that's very true. We have stopped for classes. training because you need to do something now. That's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. So um, ba- technology is an amazing thing where it can let us know exactly who has an outage at what time. And um, if that member needs to be notified immediately, we know what kind of processing is in that facility. Uh, we let them know immediately. We try to give them a restoration time. We try to let them know when a crew's on site and really follow through the whole process with that member because it can be detrimental for their business when, when there are issues. Yeah. And it's important for them to know what's going to happen next. I can imagine so. And it would be great to hear from you when that happens. I was going to tell you, Al, as a residential user of Jackson AMC, incredible service. Is it? Yeah, I've been through all these storms we've had in the last few years. My power, for the most part, has been very, very consistent, and I want they communicate with me to let me know exactly how long things might be out, so I don't feel like I'm in the dark. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so dark. much for those nice Key words. Key phrase there, in the dark. Right, right. And so, I, And I love getting those checks at the end of the year. That helps with Christmas. Absolutely. I love, the get, I love that we get to send the checks. I love being the deliverer. For the person that gets to deliver the checks, um, it's just a great thing to kind of wrap up the year with and giving money so, back. So, Greg and Bill, you're both members of Jackson EMC. We are, yeah. All right. Do you vote? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? And you get the checks. That's, That's great correct. stuff. That, that is really awesome. My wife gets the checks, oh, but yeah. I vote. Right, okay. right. Yeah, I understand that process. <laughs> yeah. So uh, kind of building on the, the idea of, of emergencies and storms, I think one of the great things about Jackson EMC that you'll see when we do have emergencies and storms, and we did have a serious one last year when Hurricane Irma came through, is mm. that everybody in the cooperative bands together. It really is a family atmosphere, and everybody's role from that moment on becomes how do we restore power safely, efficiently, quickly to all of our members. And so whatever your job title is, whatever your role is, you do whatever it takes yeah. to get the power back on for our members. Yeah. Now, and I know you, that y'all are really involved in the community around Metro Atlanta, 
and particularly, of course, Gwinnett County. And uh, so can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing there? Sure. So uh, so I'm actually a Gwinnett County commercial rep. So mm-hmm. I work in Gwinnett County. Um, something interesting about our marketing program, we actually have a residency requirement. So not only do I work in Gwinnett County, I live in Gwinnett County. My children go to Gwinnett County schools. Oddly enough, my husband works for Gwinnett County. Um, this is our home. And so it's really important to us that we do everything we can to make this community what it is. And that's everything from our foundation giving money to local charities mm-hmm. to being part of community service projects. Our employees are given time to participate in, in their community service projects of their choice. Um, and we give money and time and effort to, to really anybody in the county that needs it. We have a foundation that gives approximately a million dollars a year back to member or back to organizations within our service territory. And those organizations are, are all over the 10 county area that we serve. And here in Gwinnett County, there's so many that are that are near and dear to our hearts. Um, we we just continue to give back into the community. So not only do you serve the community by providing power, you serve the community in many other ways as well. Right. So our, our foundation that is comes that money comes in through our operation roundup, hmm. and that's our members actually electing to round up their power bill to the next full dollar. And the average uh, investment per member into the Operation Roundup is about $6 a year. And so you mm. take that $6 and you multiply that by 225,000 members, and you get a lot of money that you can give back and do a lot of good in the community. That is tremendous. That is really good. Now, once again, this is Al Simon with Sandler, and uh, your host on Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. We've been talking with Jennifer Fennell with Jackson EMC. Jennifer, if someone wanted to look into becoming a member, how do they go about contacting you? So the best way to contact us is uh, the information is all on our website. You can call our offices. You'll get directly directed into one of our, um, one of our voicemail boxes. Our emails are on there. Um, and we have a wonderful and amazing contact center that uh, those women and men that work in that department are absolutely amazing. They're knowledgeable, they're friendly, and they'll actually direct you exactly where you need to go. So it's not a robot, you know, like one of those. No, uh, automated it is attendant. not. A, now, okay. now, obviously, <laughs> when you call us, it, it, we want to direct you to the right place. Right. Um, but a live person's going to answer the phone, and they're going to help you with whatever it is that you need, and they're going to get you to the right person. Excellent. And co- so they start with your website, which is jacksonemc.com is that, that correct that's correct all right so jackson emc uh, i'm sorry jacksonemc.com start there maybe call get the process going and y'all take care of people we take care of people awesome very good Thank well you. thanks for being here on the well, show thanks for inviting me hang around while we're talking to these guys over here will. will you okay all right great bill yes so long time actually bill uh little known fact is uh is a golf buddy of mine Yes, yes. Uh, another well, we can talk about that a while. And there's some little known facts we're not going to let make known on the radio. No, no stories today. Not not from last April. No, no, oh, okay. not Shucks. not at all. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. Yes. When Maybe I had, next time. When I had to call home and have wi- uh, money wired to me to pay you for winning all the bets on the <laughs> golf course, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, no, Bill. Actually, another thing. Bill uh, has been a longtime friend of mine and uh, was one of my clients in the early days back in the uh, ancient days of Sandler. And, um, you know, when we had, like, uh, CDs, or not even CDs, we probably, did you have cassette tapes? I did. You had cassette tapes when we had the, yeah. You had a uh, particular curriculum, too, called Professional Advantage, how to get professionals really involved in the selling process. Because what's really happened over time is, uh, as a former banker, CPAs, attorneys, uh, they believe the business should come to them. 
and you really helped me uh, figure out ways to engage business owners out where they are and also just a whole systematic approach of how to build rapport, get to their issues, mm. find their pain, if I remember correctly. That's a great one, yeah. And uh, make sure you're talking to the decision maker. Yeah. So it made a big impact on my life. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it did. And yeah, pain's huge uh, in, in our world. Pain is the reason why people make decisions. People is, pain is the reason why people take action in any way. Yep. And so that's good. So you know, Bill McDermott uh, uh, with McDermott Financial Solutions, and you mentioned that you were a banker. Yes. And, uh, and then, so tell us now what, what you do with McDermott Financial Solutions. So almost 10 years ago, I just, uh, coming off actually being laid off in the uh, banking crisis, uh, I launched McDermott Financial with the idea that business owners really struggle. Uh, financial management is really an Achilles heel. Uh, they have yeah. so many issues going on at so many different times. How do we coach that business owner and help them get on a path to profitability? And so McDermott Financial Solutions originally started in the crisis, just helping business owners find credit. Uh, not all banks are alike, unlike what many people think. And so finding credit, and then recently for about the past five or six years, helping business owners as a profitability coach, helping them determine what their issues are, what's holding them back, uh, what are their barriers to success and break through those barriers so that they can get on a clear path uh, and realize the potential they have not only in their business but also in their life. So I, I thought it was interesting when you in your description just now, but in talking to you before as well, you're not necessarily talking first with the CFO. You're talking to the owner, the president, the CEO. Is that right? Yeah, it really is. So the CEO is really the one who is responsible for for casting the vision in the organization, um, and with that. I mean, let's face it, a CEO is a, is a lonely job. Uh, there was a book written called No Man's Land, which describes the, the land the CEO is in. There's nobody above the CEO, so, so you can complain upstairs, but nobody's listening. <laughs> uh, you can't really complain to your coworkers, your subordinates, and so you're kind of stuck in this no man's land, and that's mm -hmm. where a lot of CEOs play. And so helping them and coming alongside them and coaching them helping them determine what their issues are. Uh, that's kind of what profitability coaching is all about. And so besides, say, cash flow or, or getting capital, what are the main challenges that you're typically working uh, on with CEOs? Yeah, so I actually uh, I met with a CEO this morning, and essentially what we really talked about is, is trying to get really a, a picture of his business. Uh, mm -hmm. What is the long-term view? You know, Covey says start with the end in mind and then work backwards and then understanding really what's your three-year plan and then what's your one-year plan and then what what do you want to accomplish in the next 90 days from there we talked about really business is a lot of people and usually processes mm -hmm. um, you might have the right people but are they in the right seats mm -hmm. uh, are your processes documented are there any inefficiencies or any redundancies in processes um, what are your issues you know what are the things that are keeping you awake at night and so those are a lot of the things that we're talking about as far as CEOs and helping them identify their challenges. Also being, so I'm a numbers nerd, I'm gonna, I'm gonna confess, uh, but numbers having been in banking so long tell me the story behind what some of the issues are in the business. Are they not hitting their profitability numbers? Hmm. Are they slow collecting their receivables? Uh, are they pulling too much out of their business and borrowing money to finance what they're pulling out and creating what we call in the industry leverage, a lot of debt in relation to their, to their net worth? So 
those are some of the things. Well, you mentioned you mentioned uh, goals. You know, three years out. I, I remember not too long ago we would talk. 10, 15 years out, but you can't do that anymore, can you? You really can't, and mm -hmm. uh, especially for, for me as a business owner, you know, I'm I'm probably going to retire before 10 years. <laughs> There's that, yeah. <laughs> and so, I might uh, be with you. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, and the, let's face it, uh, the economy's changing. I mean, we're in the one of the longer expansions that we've had, mm -hmm. and so having a 10-year plan now, given where we are in the economy, certainly could be a good plan but we may find ourselves having to make decisions if all of a sudden the economy starts contracting for yes. whatever reason so i guess by what you said you're implying that when you start working with these ceos they typically do not have a three-year plan or a one-year plan or even a 90-day plan is that true yeah you know i think um failing to plan is kind of planning to fail mm -hmm. uh, i think there are two approaches uh, i would say probably Five percent of the businesses that I run into uh, are hitting on all cylinders. They're getting everything that they want out of their business. Uh, they're getting uh, everything they want out of life. But the other 95 percent really aren't. And so helping that 95 percent understand, well, what's holding you back? And identifying that and then trying to, if we can simplify it, do so. If we can systematize it, do it that way. And so just routines set you free so part of what we do is also establish processes because a lot of business owners really don't document things in a meaningful way of how they do business as well as you know they don't document their processes for even hiring people they need to see someone like who i've got who's my wife and my and runs my office and she documents everything yes so yes. greg you can relate on the goals huh that's correct five year i'll be mean, five out of a hundred know what they're doing as far as the uh the business doing yeah. a good job yeah i thought i had a good model doing what i'm doing 20 percent of the people on linkedin might have a clue what they're doing you've got a stronger business business model than i do five percent know what they're doing you got 95 wow. percent market it's <laughs> great man people need you bill uh, i'm here there you go <laughs> <laughs> so you have a banking background uh, um, that m must mean you look to the financial statements first is that where you start usually yeah usually uh, I start with a client who is thinking about uh, us working together I do a financial assessment uh, there are really four things that the financial statements tell me and mm -hmm. tell a business owner uh, I have an acronym I call PAL P-A-L-L -L. Uh, the P is how profitable are you you know what's your gross profit margin before your operating expenses what's your net um, the A is asset quality, meaning are you doing a good job collecting your receivables? If you have a, a business with inventory, are you turning that inventory well? Uh, the L, first L is liquidity. How much cash do you have in the bank? How many days worth of sales is that cash? Rough rule of thumb is between five and 30 days. So just take your annual revenue, divide it by 365, and then take that number and divide it into your cash, and that'll tell me tell you how many days cash of sales that you have. Okay, I've heard that term before. Yeah, and so the last L is for leverage. So leverage is a banker term. They generally don't explain it, but it's how much debt you have in relation to how much equity you have. So go to your balance sheet, you have total assets, and then on the other side you have total liabilities and you have your total net worth, and your leverage is how many dollars of debt do you have in relation to dollars of equity? Yeah. Generally, most banks like to see $3 of debt to a dollar of net worth and, and not anything more than that. Okay, so you can look at someone's financial statements, get a good picture of what the money 
looks like, mm-hmm. right? And then, then you probably have to step back, I'd imagine, because most CEOs are working on 130 things at once. Yep. And they've lost sight of the, of the strategic stuff, right? Yeah, so what I find, and this is very common, and I fall into this trap every once in a while, you know, all of us get so busy working in the business uh, we can't see the forest for the trees. Mm. And uh, so I have a tree here in my face for you listeners out there. Um, but no, um, you, have to, uh, you have to get above your business. If you can imagine uh, there's a road that's being cut through the jungle, you have no idea where that road is going. Somebody has to shimmy up a tree and see where that road is headed. And so part of it is taking a step back, going up that tree, working on the business and just kind of understanding where are you going? Are you going in a straight line? Or are you going kind of zigzaggy? Uh, because ultimately, the direction that you're headed, you want to have some perspective on. Yeah. So where are you going? Uh, and uh, in my leadership class is reading a book now by Simon Sinek called What Is Your Why? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are those two things related? I mean, priorities of some kind? Yeah. So... Um, If I understand your question, I think first, uh, a lot of businesses uh, don't really do a good job of determining their core values, um, understanding who you are as an organization. Uh, One of the biggest frustrations I think a CEO finds is they're they're not hiring the right people, Mm -hmm. people that really don't share their values. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then mentioning priorities, yeah, what what are your priorities that you're looking to accomplish in, say, the next 90 days? Um, what are the priorities you want to, you know, accomplish in the next 12 months? And then once you have kind of done the quarter, done the year, then figure out, okay, well, what is my business going to look like three years from now or 10 years from now? And start laying the foundation of uh, kind of those building, what I call building blocks of success. So you get the business owner, CEO, uh, to to shimmy up that tree, so to speak, understand what the big picture looks like and what their priorities should be, and I'm, and I'm, I'm guessing then a tactical plan emerges, and how do you get people to execute? How do you get the team to execute on that tactical plan? So the, um, the biggest challenge, if you can imagine, um, is getting your team aligned with the CEO, and it's really interesting when you think about it. So um, if you have, I'm just going to say, 50 people in an organization, they all have their different communications. So 50 people with 50 different communication styles, you could actually potentially, when you think about it, have 2,500 different types of conversations. How do you create (laughs) alignment in 2,500 conversations? So the CEO's job is really to say, okay, what are my core values? What's my core focus? What's the sweet spot of my business? Um, Where am I headed in one, three, and 10 years? Mm What are my issues that are holding me back? Uh, What are my numbers telling me? Am I on track or off track and why? Uh, And then also taking a look at my people. Do I have, uh, I read a great book. It's called The Energy Bus by a guy named John Gordon. He says, get get the right people on the bus and get them in the right seats. And so helping that CEO execute on that and communicate that to the people in order to create alignment. So you have to help them craft the communication exactly okay and it's hard and uh you know i have uh, i have one particular client who said you know when i first started working with them uh they were kind of embarrassed they were losing money and uh they said hey we're struggling 
and we realize if we don't get things turned around, we might fail. And I said, look, we're in this together. We're going to figure out a plan. And what's really happened is I just celebrated working with them for four years. Uh, they are going to have the best year that they've ever had in the 16-year history of the company. I can't take much of the credit. I might take a smidge, but they did all the heavy lifting. But they got really focused. They got really intentional. Yeah. And they executed well. well this is uh, Al Simon, your host with Simon Says. Let's talk business on Business Radio X. And we've been talking with Bill McDermott with McDermott Financial Solutions. Bill, you mentioned that you started this consultancy back in the crisis, about 2008-ish from there, I guess. Yep. So, and you just mentioned a success story, and, and uh, it must be, uh, it must, must give you great pride and pleasure that you get to help people like that. Yeah, so uh, the, the quick story is uh, it was February of 2009. It was a Friday afternoon, and the CEO uh, walked into my office and said, Bill, you're doing a fabulous job, uh, but we're eliminating your position. And all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, unannounced, uh, my, uh, my job's gone. Uh, I've never been laid off in my life. And all of a sudden, my income goes to zero. And so what do you do? And so I went home, told my wife, you know, she cried, I cried, we cried together. But then I thought, you know, I could go back into banking or I could launch a business. Well, what do I know? Um, financial management is the Achilles heel of many business owners. Mm. I spent 32 years of my career in financial management. Yep. So what I've attempted to do to the best of my ability is help business owners bring in a financial management element, but also a business planning element to help them, you know, realize their goals and dreams. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've always said, you know, we've all had those light bulb moments. It's the moments all of a sudden where you have epiphany and the light bulb goes on. Yes. Well, I live for those light bulb moments. Yes. And uh, when I see a business owner and all of a sudden they say, oh, my gosh, I get it. Those are the moments that I live for. And that keeps you doing this. It does. It does. For how much longer? You know, uh, I still think there's a lot of tread on these tires. So uh, I, I think there is. Yeah. Uh, and as long as we can have a golf game here and there, you know, and uh, break it up a little bit. In case you your know. income gets low. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Okay. So. Got it. You know, it's interesting. This is such a great thing that, you know, I've got three guests here. They're all into helping people. You know, Jennifer and Jackson EMC, you're so involved in the community. You're their foundation and, and, and the members and just really in there helping people. And Bill, obviously, you, the, the business owners, CEOs you work with, just – uh, and, and all their employees benefit from what you do. And it's just a, gr a, gr a great thing. And we're getting ready to talk to Greg in a minute. And I know you've got the same kind of story, uh, helping people, because I'm one of those that you have helped. Um, so, Bill, uh, if, if someone wants to get a hold of you and say, hey, let's, uh, let's have you take a look at my financial statements and talk about my goals and see if we need to do some stuff here together, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, they can go to the website, which is mcdfs.com. Okay. Or they can call me at 678-597-8184, uh, and I would be delighted to sit down and talk with them. Okay, so once again, that's uh, mcdfs.com, mm -hmm. mcdfs.com, or 770-597-8184. Uh, it's actually, so I, I gave a work number and a, and a mobile number, so let me... My cell number is 770-597-3136. Okay. 
but also my work number, uh, if they want to call me at work, is 678-597-8184. Okay, so for all the people out there who are cr scratching out things on paper like I'm doing right now, I'm going to do it again. So the website is mcdfs.com. That's it. And the phone numbers are 770-597-3136 yep. or 678-597-8184. You got it. All right. Excellent. Thanks for coming on the show, Yeah, Bill. thanks for having me. This has been great. And I'll see you on the first tee on Saturday. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to okay. it. Once again, Al Simon, uh, your host with Sandler Training, and Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. And our third guest today, excited to have Greg Burkhalter, the LinkedIn guy. Welcome. You, you think you're excited? I am very excited. Thank you, Al. How are you? Yes, I am. Always a pleasure to sit across from you. Well, you know what? You need to talk to some of my clients and tell them that. I've watched your presentations, Al. I learned from you too, sir. So I'm not going to take the credit for showing you show me stuff too. So well, thanks. I appreciate Thank that. Thank you. Very, very, very kind words. And uh, you know, and I'm a lot like Bill. I get to see uh, uh, success stories, and it is very fulfilling. It really is good stuff. Yeah. So the LinkedIn guy, and LinkedIn is huge in business today. Absolutely Thank you, Microsoft, huge. for buying LinkedIn. That really helped. Yeah. Yes, did it, it did. really? How did it help? Well, I think it put a new focus on the LinkedIn platform to where Microsoft said, you know what, we're going to try to accomplish several things here. But I believe the number one thing Microsoft is trying to accomplish right now, they want LinkedIn to be the central portal of every business-to-business -business conversation. And they've got that wheel turning so fast in that direction, it's scary. Now you mentioned that something changed today on your... Things change yeah. every day. Like, for instance, like, you know, about a year ago, they changed the way the, uh, the email box works. Uh, then they mm. changed something on LinkedIn that allows you to know when people are online. Then they added a feature that lets you know when people read your text messages inside of LinkedIn. Last two weeks ago, they added voicemail. I can record a voicemail and send it to someone inside of LinkedIn. Really? It's amazing I what's going on right one. there. Yeah, it's just amazing. So I have actually seen probably more changes in the last six months on LinkedIn's interface and the whole experience than I have the preceding two years. And every day, as you said, there's something new. And 90% of the time, I'm excited about what I see. So that's why I believe that Microsoft buying LinkedIn has been a good thing. From a profit standpoint, the, the purchase of $26 billion has proven to be valuable. They're making money off of LinkedIn. Okay. Well, let's back up a second, Greg, because you uh, have shared with me and others before about how you came to be the LinkedIn guy. Uh, can you give us that story, maybe the background a little bit? I want to give you the abbreviated version. Basically, okay. what you have here is a gentleman with a music and broadcasting background that worked for about three decades in that industry who thought that that was the only thing they could do. Bill, you'll understand the story. You'll relate to it. And about six years ago, that industry, the job I worked for, went kaput. I lost my job. A friend felt sorry for me, helped me out, got me a LinkedIn profile set up. I started my journey of doing what everybody does on LinkedIn, which is, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I did that for about a year. And about a year into it, I had a local chamber of commerce invite me to come speak on LinkedIn. And I thought it was a crazy request. I thought they had the wrong person, but they said, we know who you are. So the guy who was afraid to get on LinkedIn, somebody invites me to speak as a leader. At that point, I turned up the volume and said, I'm going to try to be the LinkedIn guy. And since that point, it has been amazing. So, yeah, I enjoy doing it. And Microsoft, I'm thrilled to say, has engaged me at least three times to do stuff with them since they purchased LinkedIn. So that's quite an honor for the little LinkedIn guy. It is, it's an honor and, 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 a, and recognition, really acknowledgement that you bring value to the marketplace, which is absolutely true. 
So you mentioned your LinkedIn profile, and I think a lot of people get a little confused because you've got the LinkedIn profile, you've got the company page. I mean, how are those two things different, and how are they the same? Well, the true value of LinkedIn is your LinkedIn personal profile. Uh, to prove that, you cannot create a LinkedIn company page without having a LinkedIn personal profile. So mm -hmm. the personal profile comes first mm -hmm. before the company page in the LinkedIn chain of system. The other thing you've got to remember is this. There are certain things your LinkedIn personal profile can do that your company page can't do. Right. And they also have a different tone. Let's talk about the tone of your personal page. The tone of your personal page is, is more like I'm a knowledgeable, helpful professional that wants to share quality information and help others. Company page is a totally the opposite. It's about I want to sell you something. Here's my product. Here's what makes me different. Okay. The problem arises when the company page voice is used on the personal profile page. People don't want to be sold to on the personal profile page. So why is the personal profile page important in selling stuff if you're supposed to sell stuff on your company page? Well, if you try to attract people to your company page, that's a long, slow, tedious process. You can't build relationships and really help other people with your company page. You can do that with your personal page. Mm -hmm. So if you build relationships and help other people and create a, connect, a, connection, a network of connections of sizable quality, that network can be the gateway to helping your company page get exposure. So successful company page comes before succession. I mean, successful personal page comes before successful company page. In fact, I will tell you that if you have a company page, like a small business owner, and you have a company page, if you don't have at least one person at your company that has a strong personal page profile and strategy, you have a dead company page that will never go anywhere. Why is that? People are not looking for your company page. They're sort of yeah. like you. They're not really looking for you most times. They discover you. Yeah. And when they discover you, they usually see three things, and that's your face, your name, and the words below your name. Okay. If those three don't give them enough substance to intrigue them, they don't go any farther. Okay. So generally, your company page is accessed by someone seeing you using your personal page on LinkedIn to create interest for them. Okay. Now, if somebody's trying to sell your company something, they're probably looking for you. Okay. But your clients as a general rule, are not actively seeking your company page on LinkedIn. They're seeking you. They buy from you. People buy from people, not the companies first, okay? Yeah. So your personal page is the magnet that creates the beginning of that business conversation. Okay, and you've mentioned before that your personal brand is the key, and that comes from the, from the personal page, right? That is correct. And that personal brand term, it's been around a while, but it's really ramped up lately. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I first became the LinkedIn guy, I was focused on being known as a guy who does LinkedIn training. And I had a couple of branding partner friends of mine say, Greg, you need to reassess where you are here. I believe you're underselling what your skills are. And they kind of pointed me into, you know, you have a personal branding skill that's unique to you. I think you should stress that as much than or more than being a LinkedIn trainer. So I took their strategy. And the moment I made that change and adjusted my brand, my brand grew up. So I am a personal branding coach by heart who happens to be the LinkedIn guy. Because personal branding in the digital realm and the corporate realm occurs using LinkedIn as the tool. And you still do a lot of speaking and training, but, sure uh, but you help individuals as well, right? My initial core business was helping individuals define their personal brand and use LinkedIn to grow their brand. And mm -hmm. actually, there was other things I did, too, that aren't really spoken about, and Bill might can relate to this. Depending on where you are in your career, I might become a motivator and a cheerleader. I have to re-energize people because when you've worked in the corporate world for a long time and you lose that job, you're winded. <laughs> you are winded. 
it takes a while to get your breath again and realize, you know what? My value is not tied to that company I work for. I had value I brought to that company. Right. They are as much a loss as I am by losing the job. I still have skills right now I can transfer. And that's why anybody now that has a corporate job or any kind of job with a company, you better be focused on two things. Of course, supporting your company and being a valuable employee. But at the same time, make sure you're maintaining and defining what is your personal brand so that as you leave that company, you have clearly identifiable skills that are transferable. And I can tell you one of the early warning signs on that is when I look at someone's LinkedIn profile and below their name and below their picture, I see the name of the company they work for within the first three words of that section. That section, by the way, is called your headline. Yes. That is what describes you. So my headline tells you what I'm about. But if it tells you where you work and your company name, you're not defining what you're all about. Okay. So that's my early indicator. You know, I really found that so true, Greg, when you were talking, because when I launched my business in 09, what I realized is I had built up relationships with fellow professionals about to start 80% of my business came from CPAs. And so you're so correct that personal branding, building those relationships, having that relationship currency, I found was absolutely critical to uh, launching the business and, and realizing success. It's one thing I've noticed there too, Bill, is when I talk around and I'm describing what has value in your professional toolbox these days. Back when I was, you know, in the early years of looking for jobs, there were two things they wanted to know about me. What is your education and where have you worked? Nowadays, there's other valuable assets in your toolbox you may not recognize that actually at times can have more value than the two things I just said. Two of the new items in the professional toolbox are this, a solid personal brand and an engaged professional network. I'm not talking about people you're connected to, people you're connected to and you talk to. Those last two things are of tremendous value to any company that hires you because you, your network of connections and your personal brand is the gateway for exposing the company brand and attracting quality employees to the company. You know, a, lot a lot of power there. A lot of people think that LinkedIn it should be used as like a, a, you know, an, an online resume. What, what would you say to someone who, who writes their their LinkedIn profile as though it were a resume? There's actually two ways you can write your LinkedIn profile. If you're in job search mode, there's a little different strategy on how you write it. Mm -hmm. uh, you might list more of your financial successes, like you might you know, say that you won you know, salesperson of the year five years in a row. So that's someone maybe looking for a job. But the person that wants to set up their profile to attract a customer, does your customer really want to know you're the best salesperson in the world? They want to know what kind of service you provide and how you can yeah. remove their pain. So there's a little bit of different strategy on that. And in fact, I was talking to someone the other day who was still under the misconception that LinkedIn is just a place for finding jobs. Mm -hmm. I mean, when LinkedIn first started, by the way, LinkedIn is older than Facebook, believe it or not, by one year. When LinkedIn started, what happened was you pasted your resume on LinkedIn in your profile area, you logged out and you said to yourself, I certainly hope my boss is not on LinkedIn. <laughs> if he had been on LinkedIn, he would have fired you. Now your boss is going to encourage you to get on LinkedIn. He wants you on LinkedIn. But it better not be written like you're looking for a job. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't turn on that let recruiters know I'm looking for a job button. Leave that turned off, okay? Okay. So, Greg, if someone wanted to uh, talk to you and see if, if they want to engage you to help them, with their LinkedIn strategy. How does that process work? Well, hopefully you can see me maybe at one of my speaking engagements where you can walk up in person and maybe we have a quick conversation. If that's not the case, please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you, uh, kind of see what you're about and give you some feedback on your profile. Uh, I tell people when I talk to them for the first time when they call and say, Greg, would you look at my profile? The answer is yes, but not right now. 
I want to talk to you. Tell me about you. Let me see what you think your brand is. Convince me what your brand is all about. Let me see if I feel your brand. Once I have that conversation, then I go to your LinkedIn profile, and at that point, I can tell you definitely what anyone that looks at your profile feels about your brand. If I look too soon, I lose that ability to give you that first impression. So I tell people what their profile looks like. I give them fe quick feedback on areas that need addressing, and I give them several options of things I can do to help them, whether it be uh, come hear me do a workshop, or whether they want to maybe engage me for some one-on-one -on -one consultations, whatever fits what their needs are, I'm willing to do. But the one thing I can promise you, in that free conversation, I'm going to give you value and give you some things that you've not heard before. So every conversation is focused on value and helping people first. That's what I'm all about, trying to make a difference and make a living. And I had you come talk to uh, one of my uh, set of clients in a class, and, and I got rave reviews on that. Uh, you obviously are bringing value. You talk all over the place. In fact, you're talking more with colleges and universities these days. Is that right? Talk about your personal brand changing. By the way, your brand does evolve, and you've got to be aware that your brand is evolving. When I first started speaking, colleges were not on my radar. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, colleges are on my radar because I'm on their radar. And I mean, I'm just, just really thrilled and honored when a college, say, a, a master's degree program, invites me in to talk to their master's degree students about LinkedIn. And not only bring me in for a 30-minute, but bring me in for like a half-day workshop. I mean, they really put some skin in the game to give these people value. That's what I enjoy doing going to college, and, and also I enjoy talking to seniors who are trying to advance in their you know, career for the first time. I'm trying to do two things with a senior. Stress the value of the personal brand and put a little fear into them to let them know it's not something you play with. Yeah. We've got to get out of the, the Instagram, Facebook mentality and realize, you know, this LinkedIn personal brand thing, this is serious stuff. It's serious stuff. It takes yeah. a long time to define and build your brand, and based on where you are in your career, yeah. a setback in your brand may not be recoverable. Yeah. And where I'm at right now, I'm getting pretty close to that point. I cannot, I cannot afford a setback. And most of my clients, of course, are in sales or, or managing sales teams, uh, have to take LinkedIn seriously. It is mm -hmm. crucial these days. Yep. So, Greg, if, if someone would want to start a conversation with you, as you said, the complimentary first conversation, how would they go about doing it? Well, they're welcome to check out my website, which is uh, gregburkhalter.com. Two Gs. Yeah, that's Greg, G-R-E-G-G, -G, burkhalter.com. Uh, okay. Please visit my LinkedIn profile if you'd like to. i got some more contact information on there. Uh, my cell phone number is 770-313-2385. Uh, also, if you want to go to my website and kind of get a little preliminary information on personal branding and LinkedIn, take a browse of my uh, speaker page. I've got a little tab under the speaker page that says Meet Craig with some video content and some podcasts. You can listen to that. I would love to talk to you. I'd love nothing more than hearing you tell me what you're passionate about and seeing if I can help you turn your passion into profit. That's great. So again, it's uh, gregburkhalter.com. No spaces. Uh, and, and Greg has, the, has three G's, the one at the beginning and the two at the end. <laughs> and then B-U-R-K-H-A-L-T-E-R. That's correct. Com. Greg Burkhalter. BrookHalter.com, and the phone number is 770-313-2385. Incorrect. And please invite me to connect on LinkedIn. I would ask you if you do, write me a personal note, tell me you heard me, and I would love to respond to you and maybe have a conversation. Thank Great you. advice. Great Thank advice. You. So this has been another episode of Simon Says Let's Talk Business. I'm your host, Al Simon, with Sandler on Business Radio X. And Jennifer, Bill, Greg, it's been terrific. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for Thank having us. Thank you very much.